close encounters of the third kind. Actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I gotta do look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses, episode number 28. I am your host, John Jay, and with me are, as always, the Lances. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, hello. Lauren and Endless Mike are here. Also, Jared Walker is here. I'm in the room. I'd like to welcome any hostile spirits to John's house to come <laughs> fight me whenever I'm at his house. Hostile spirits of the north, please join us. Hostile spirits of the west, please join us. If you bring Hostile spirits, spirits of to this fire, house, light this house on fire. I will bring I will bring them down on your house. No, you can't be convicted for arson if it's ghosts. Is that true? That's it's true. true. Yeah. Oh. You get all the insurance. There's a there's no ghost clause in your there's insurance. There's no ghost ghost burns it down. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I don't have insurance, so let's hope this house doesn't burn down. <laughs> You have a diary. No, never mind. Yep, don't go there. Yep, stop it. Wrong show. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. we got a lot of really fun things to talk about. In our feature segment, we're going to be talking about the mystery and legend of D.B. Cooper. Ooh. I did it. In our You Believe in What segment, we're going to be talking about whatever hokey religion that Lauren believes in. Uh, No, I don't believe in this shit. (laughs) Uh, you said re- it's convincing, though. She believes in it. I don't believe in it. It's, it's interesting. I, I got a new book uh, called Dark Star Rising, uh, Magic and Power in the Age of Trump by Gary Lockman. Um, it is Turns insane. out Donald Trump is a wizard. <laughs> Donald Trump and his follower are a He's bunch a of wizards. Wizard. Um, it, we'll get into it, but pretty much it's the craziest thing I've read this year. And yeah. I pick up a lot of crazy shit. I remember we talked a little bit about it before the book came out. It was uh, before the election. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. there are some concepts in the book, especially one that I'm going to touch on in particular. We talked about a little bit. But the amount of ridiculous, intricate detail that this book goes into on these theories is fucking hilarious. I love it. This is a sizable book. It's yeah. not. It's not. A, it's not pamphlet size. Oh, yeah, Lauren's no, been reading it all week. This is full on novel it's like size. Pages. And I will say, it's made me look fucking crazy in public. Like I'll go to Starbucks with a coffee, and like people can see what I'm reading, and I've got a highlighter. Out, <laughs> you got and tabs and, and stuff. I'm, I've got tabs, and I'm like writing notes. Like that bitch is fucking nuts. Uh, is Spider News mysteriousnesses or something planet? Uh, yeah, we don't need Spider News. Okay, <laughs> we do have Spider News, but we can wait. We can Today wait. Today in Spider News. Right now, we can start with some science news. Is your dog lying to other dogs about its size? Yes. Always. <laughs> do, do other dogs think Shadow is much smaller? I than don't. He is? No, this is a, a study. A study that's uh, been going on. It's a. Uh, don't mess with me. That's the signal small dogs seem to be sending when they pee on things, according to a new study. Researchers have found that uh, the smaller a pooch is, the higher it lifts its leg to mark lampposts, trees, and other objects. And these exaggerated urine streams may fool other dogs into thinking a large canine is in the area. Why is there also a Velveeta's liquid gold ad right next to the article? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Why not? They gotta advertise somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think look, it's just like the keyword gold. Piss related <laughs> articles. <laughs> any piss related articles? We're gonna sell this cheese. <laughs> This fake-ass cheese. That is brilliant marketing. Uh, this paper is important because it looks at a neglected aspect of scent marking. Yeah, Linda I guess Sharp, that's important. An ecologist at Australian National University in Cambria wrote in an email, Sharp, who is not involved with the work, has studied dwarf mongooses that leave scent marks from their anal glands by doing handstands. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about that? <laughs> That's Mike's dream job. She found that small males leave deceptively high marks. It makes sense that dogs would do the same thing, she said. It would be surprising if numerous species weren't exploiting the height of scent marks. So okay. dog so basically the dog stretches out as far as it can and takes a leak high up on the on the fire hydrant, right? To make it seem And bigger. then when another dog comes by, they go, shit, there's a big dog around here. I better watch my shit. Is that when, when really uh, it's just a little bitch dog. Does he squat when he pisses? He just keeps walking? No, Mouse Mouse, uh, mouse doesn't squat. He lifts his leg. Mouse, like, overmarks. Oh. My dog, one of my dogs doesn't mark anything at all, and the other one overmarks to the point where he's, like, trying to squeeze out pee even though he doesn't have any left. So this is, like... The dog and animal kingdom equivalent of having giant tires on your truck. Yeah, or having a pair of balls on the back of your truck. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, so this or own, owning a sports car after forty. Yeah. So is this There's a mysterious moth? Is in this here. yeah the the Mothman yeah, is trying to attack moth us in Moth News? No, I got it. Uh, <laughs> moth News, the new, moth is dead. Is this a reason to to become vegan, or is this a reason to eat more meat? What? What? Well, I'm just saying. Are like, you are you still looking at that liquid gold ad? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, if if there's so much like us. No, I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, I don't know where you're going because they're not saying that they're like us. I'm distracted by liquid gold. I I feel like Lauren's on the right track because this this I feel like this article does explain why there's always piss all over the men's room floor. Yeah, every bathroom I've been to. See. What? Yeah, why We're not people, so different. How do people get so much piss on the floor? Or, or this is know. why Maybe they're just trying to make me think like, oh, the real big dude was in no. here. My stream was so big. Women in so the Every <laughs> time I go into Jared's house, I just piss on the ceiling. No, women in the women's bathroom. I thought there was a giant bathroom, in my bathroom. Women in the women's bathroom, always pissing on the seat. First off, women's bathrooms, public restrooms. Hell holes. Yeah, they're hell holes. Scary places. Probably haunted. Most very, of them. Very mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, astronaut claims he witnessed an organic alien-like creature, but NASA is denying it. Of course they are. Okay. That's all NASA does yeah. is deny. What, what That's why we're going to get Space Force, and they're going to tell us all about the aliens. Uh, yeah, they're going to tell us the that. truth that, about that shit. No, that's what please. people are saying. Like, <laughs> No, we want Space Force because they're going to tell us what NASA's lying about. That upsets why, me on why so does that many different make any levels. Sense? Because none of it makes sense, Jared. NASA. If none of it makes sense, then none of it has to make sense. NASA's not a government agency. It doesn't matter. They're liars. Well, They're liars, out. regardless. Yeah, liars yeah. through and through. Now, I yeah, we haven't done a we haven't done a, a article on Space Force on the show yet. I don't think have we? There's not none really of this show. much to well, tell. That's because it's less real than anything that we're talking yeah, currently yeah. talking about. <laughs> It's more real that NASA are are (coughs) lying to us about something than the Space Force is real. Uh, Let's see. A former NASA astronaut, Leland Melvin, tweeted that he saw something curved, organic-looking, floating out of the payload bay during his time on the space shuttle Atlantis. (laughs) (laughs) It was somebody's dick. 
Oh, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, Jared, why don't you tone it down a little bit, bud? Sorry, I got I got a little I got a little excited. <laughs> I just thought it was a turd ball. <laughs> he told NASA about it, but the agency told him that what he was seeing was not an extraterrestrial, but a piece of ice. Let's oh. see. Okay. I have not seen like so. Basically, he was at he was asked on Twitter. Uh, what's your outlook about the existence of uh, intelligent alien life living in our solar system? Have you ever witnessed a UFO? Please share with us. I have not seen one in space or on the ground, but I thought I saw something organic alien-like floating out of the payload bay. And I called the ground to ask what it could be, and it was ice that had broken off from the Freon hoses. Translucent, curved, organic-looking. And then he put a little alien, alien well, that, emoji. That's cute. I, I don't think there's... Uh, Extraterrestrial life. It doesn't sound like he system. thinks he saw that. It sounds like he saw a piece of ice. Was like, hey, ground, ground control. Well, if he what thought is that? it was ice, then he wouldn't. I think no. I think he's making fun of the people. He said, "I was about to say, Houston, we have a problem, but no, everyone spins up when those words are uttered from a space vehicle." Godspeed. What uh, do you so think? Do you think there's aliens in our solar system? Probably. In our solar system. Probably there's probably like a like like I, I don't know about intelligent alien life, but yeah, I mean like that, yeah, not just, like microbes oh, or something. No, like there's dinosaurs. Well, I mean, if we if you think that there alien abductions are real, then there are aliens in our solar system because yeah. they're abducting people yeah. from within our solar system. They're at least float, you know, flitting in and out between tourists. our solar system. I mean, they yeah, might be tourists. tourists. I, I don't know if there's any. I don't. I doubt there's any intelligent alien life like from civilization from our. Solar I think system. they're all hanging out beyond the asteroid belt because we can't see past there. They're can all we, hanging I'm out. I'm pretty of sure Pluto we can see past no there. No. Anyway. I'm pretty sure that there's satellites have made it further than the asteroid. Oh belt. yeah, they made it further, but so we can see there. Then. No, like you get to, we have satellites it's a dead spot. on like Jupiter. Yeah, there's one that passed by Jupiter, I think. Yeah, something like that. I yeah, forget. It went past there, but yeah, then I don't just, know. It could have just been, showed us pictures of Jupiter. It could have been some sort of plasma-based life form, you know, maybe like a like you know, the sun might have like an entire colony like, of plasma-based life forms. We like, don't know. Like the superior TV format? No, I mean not exactly, but yes. Are you, are you uh, kidding? Like plasma TV? <laughs> no, LCD. LCD all the way, buddy. No, plasma is awful. No, LED. LCD. No, LED. So yeah, a lot of people think that uh, a lot of people think that he's just kind of winding up the uh, UFO community, but you never know. Yeah, it sounds like he's joking to me, honestly. Yeah. But maybe he's only joking so they won't assassinate him. Our TV at home is a plasma TV. I hope you know that. You need to stop talking about this. Sorry. Yeah, and it's garbage. Look at it. It's awesome. It works really well. Why am Why? I still talking about this? Why? The stop. truth is out there. The McMinnville UFO sighting of 1950. So this is a. Uh, this is uh, some of the most famous UFO photographs ever, and uh, I knew we never covered it on the show. And a lot of people don't cover these because it's just assumed that it's a hoax, but there's never been uh, like any very compelling evidence that it is a hoax. The only actual compelling piece of evidence that these UFO photographs are a, are a hoax is that the shadows coming off one of the buildings doesn't match the time of day that they said that they took the pictures. So huh. that's where skeptics come in and go, well, they're just lying about the whole thing. So. Uh, I don't, that's I mean, there not could be a reason true. why the shadow is... Right. Uh, while feeding her rabbits and chickens, uh, this is uh, Thursday, May 11, 1950. This is the farm home of Paul and Evelyn Trent outside of McMinnville, Oregon. Was this... Hold on. Was this... Roswell was like 54, right? I think. Something this like is, that. I think, I before so, Roswell, yeah. yeah. This is like, yeah, when the UFO flap started. 
so while feeding her rabbits and chickens outside of the home, Evelyn Trent spotted a large metallic disc lurking in the evening sky to the northeast. She yelled for her husband Paul to grab their camera and called out to her in-laws, who didn't hear her, although her father-in-law did see the flying saucer for a moment. Uh, Paul Trent was able to take two photos of the UFO before it disappeared to the west. Despite being taken by shaky technology and an unskilled photographer, these photos are some of the most famed evidence of extraterrestrial real life that have ever been captured. Yet skeptics everywhere have to ask, are the photos a hoax? Let's find out. So here's a... Uh, we can we can zoom in here. Oh, I've seen this photo yeah, before. Yeah, this is a very famous photograph. After the photos were publicized, uh, first displayed at the Trent's Bank and then published in June of 1950, the ju- 1950 issue of Life, Paul and Evelyn Trent were asked again and again to repeat the story of the sighting and were investigated by government agencies from the Air Force or the FBI. The family was questioned, and their house and property were photographed on multiple occasions, but they never weakened in their belief in what they saw that night. In 1967, the Air Force funded an investigation with the University of Colorado on the UFO reports. An astronomer named William Hartman conducted a detailed analysis of the photo negatives using uh, photometry and... Photometry? 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 Yeah, photometry. Photometry to measure brightness and photogrammetry to measure I've depth. I've never heard that term before. Yeah, this is like a sci- scientist terms. <laughs> I guess. He found that the object in question matched the Trent's description, a shiny object hovering in the far distance, and that there was no evidence of tampering with the negatives. Okay. Uh, he was quoted on his analysis, while it would be exaggerating to say that we have positively ruled uh, ruled out a fabrication, it appears significant that the simplest, most direct in Interpretation of the photograph confirms precisely what the witness said they saw. So either these country bumpkins were really good at manipulating photos back in a time when it was extremely hard to manipulate photos, or these are some weird UFOs. Was this... When was the the hillbilly alien shootout? Was that the 60s or the 50s? I don't remember. I don't remember. But my thought on this is, like, how popular... How common was it to have a camera in the 1950s? Uh, fairly common. Really? Yeah. I mean, they had not Polaroids. as common. Definitely not as common as now. Yeah. 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 But they had Polaroid cameras back then. So it is highly unlikely that some people out in Oregon would know how to fuck with a photo. But it would be more. Uh, it would be more unlikely if they had a video camera back then. Well, or a, yeah. A yeah, film, I mean, you know. If- <laughs> for sure. But it, it it also seems unlikely that they would have a camera to me. So maybe they weren't so. Um, yeah, a lot of people had a yeah, camera. Yeah, no, back cameras then. weren't that rare hmm. back then. Then maybe not. Uh, there's one theory floating around that Mr. Trent used one of the side mirrors from his truck hanging uh, from his truck hanging on a wire to mimic a flying saucer in the photos. Uh, that's sp- uh, scientifically debunked by Hartman's investigation. Some skeptics say that the Trents faked the photos in order to earn their time in the limelight. Life was one of the highest circulated ma- uh, magazines at the time, and to feed the alien craze of the 40s and 50s. Some say that uh, the scientists who investigated the photos throughout the years weren't competent enough to accurately rule out fraud. So the skeptics don't really have a lot to hold on to with these. That's yeah. why I thought no, this yeah, was interesting. Their big, their big theory is that, like, oh, they just weren't good enough to figure out yeah, that it's smart fake, enough. so it's probably fake. Yeah, it's probably fake because they couldn't figure it out. Well, you know, <laughs> people were still pretty smart back then. 
Yeah, so this it goes into like what would what would their motive be to even do this? I don't know. They waited almost a month to have the photos developed until they finished the rest of the roll of film. UFO well, film was kind of expensive. Exactly. So if it was a hoax, don't you think they would have developed it immediately? Yeah, you'd think yeah. they'd be excited about it. Yeah, so UFO evidence describes the trend's reluctance to share the photographs after they were developed because they were afraid of getting into trouble with the government. And the photos did lead uh, to a government-led investigation of the family home. That was back when people respected the government. Yeah, we're <laughs> still afraid of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so there's like like the they finished the role with like family photos and s- stuff of the house, so like mundane stuff after that. So that's I think that's kind of on their side, and then also yeah, they they kind of thought that the UFO could have been like some sort of secret government test or something, so mm. they didn't want to expose that. I mean, it could have been like I know that I'm sure that the government has tried shit like that, like to see whether it would work or not. Yeah, let's see. Let's zoom in on this again. So that's one. Where's the second one? This is the second one. Is that one. the same picture? No. no, it's slightly different. It's slightly different. So he snapped off two. I mean, actually, they're pretty good shots. Yeah. It is kind of a janky-looking UFO. I mean, it just kind of looks like a Frisbee. It's it, just a Frisbee-looking thing. It could be he just threw a Frisbee up in the air and took a picture of it, but there's no evidence of that. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair... What would evidence of it being a Frisbee be? Well, I don't know. Did they have Frisbees in the 50s? They had to have, right? Uh, I, th- oh, yeah. I would yeah. think so. They fucking had, like... Oh, yeah, they had Frisbees in Back to the Future Part 3. Oh, my God. What if it was just a Frisbee? <laughs> Cameras weren't good enough for them to do an action shot like that, though. That's true. It would be moving too fast because it would be too close and moving too fast to probably capture it on an old-school camera. Yeah, it would be way more blurry than it actually is. Hmm. That first picture, the that's probably one of the clearest UFO f- uh, photos I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, the only toys they had back in the 50s were circles. Yeah, it's just a hoop with a stick. Yeah. You or spun a frisbee it. or a wheel or, or a, a hula tire. hoop. Just some kind of can <laughs> that you'd kick. So, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think these photos are actually pretty convincing. Yeah, they're, I like them. I like them. They're pretty good. Uh, let's see. Can you show me the second one again? Yeah. So you can see clearly see the top of it. There's like a little knob on top or is, something. Is he further away from the house or? It looks like it's flying away. Yeah, it's flying away. It's like the same distance from the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, see the, the see the water heater. Yeah, it's flying away from him then. Yeah, so it's flying away from him. Yeah, these are good. I mean, that would that's a pretty far frisbee throw. That's true. For it to be that far and him to be able to get a good shot of it, mm-hmm. it'd have to be pretty far. Yeah. Or a really foggy day. Remember, you can check out these photos in the show notes. Uh, alien spotted in Japan. No, those, that's just Harajuku. That's <laughs> what it's like there. <laughs> that's just how the people dress. Uh, the man reports that he was on his way back to his Airbnb when he came upon the entities at around 11.40 p.m. This <laughs> is just Buddhists. So this is, he said he saw a group of uh, humanoids in Kyoto, Japan. Those are Japanese people. I was walking through the courtyard right before the neighborhood entrance when I noticed two four-foot-tall human-looking creatures jumping the wall of a shrine and running away, he said on MUFON about the March 11, 2018 encounter. Just Japanese people. Reportedly, the eyewitness initially believed the beings to be children, but he says they were too small to be kids of any age. Wait, what? wait, hold on. What? No, 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 no. Kids... 
are four feet tall. Yeah. And there are some that are smaller than that. In, four, in fourth grade, I was four foot eight. So. So that's Yeah, but not were you ever smaller than that, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember. No. <laughs> yeah, when he was a, an infant. Yeah, but infants can't climb walls. I mean, I was smaller yeah, but than there, four feet tall when there I was. There is a, uh, a middle ground between being an infant and <laughs> being in like the fourth a to- grade. Toddlers can't climb. Well, some of them can. <laughs> well, how old were you in fourth grade? Oh, he said their bodies were proportional for their height. Which I guess like children kind of are like too. like a child. Yeah. yeah. Children. It still sounds like a kid. The man described the creatures as being white as snow and having skinny legs and arms. Their heads, he said, had pointy ears and big black triangle eyes. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Right. These aren't so, kids. So that doesn't That's sound That's definitely like not the Japanese. Yeah. Because right. they have squinty eyes. Yeah. No. Triangle eyes are no. way different. Uh, what? They ran with arms behind them, he said. Nin- so like. So Japanese kids. <laughs> He said they went behind a corner of a wall as I walked towards there. One of them looked back at me and made eye contact. He goes on to say that the alarm of the shrine went off, but that there was no sound on. This just sounds like Japanese kids. I was feeling terrified. I didn't want to get too close. I lost sight of them as they turned the corner, he said. In 2015, another man reported seeing a humanoid creature in a forest outside of Kyoto. So, I don't know. These could be like some sort of... Uh, Interdimensional creatures of some sort, I think. Could be, uh, yeah, it's like the black eyed children. Characters from Naruto. Yeah, I, I don't know. Which which anime characters run with their arms behind them? All, all, of, all them. of them. Have you ever seen an anime before? Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, uh, that's yeah. how you run an anime. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're aerodynamic. You're that. way more aerodynamic if you just let your arms flail behind you. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were some sort of, like, spirits of the shrine. You know, possibly yeah, some sort of like uh, what ancient are they called? tenku, ancient uh, ancient demons or fairies or something. Yeah, yeah tenku cool. are woodland spirits. It's aren't definitely an interesting story. I can't remember. Uh, let's another UFO. This is a more of a shaky video. I'll show it to you guys. UFO conspiracy theories embrace. Sorry. Shaky video taken at North Carolina's Lake Norman. Okay. A video gaining traction on social media suggesting a huge UFO was recently spotted over North Carolina's Lake Norman, north of Charlotte. The footage, recorded May 29th by Jason Swing, shows a long, slender object hovering for more than two minutes over the man-made lake. Swing calmly calls the object a spacecraft in his video. It had been raining all morning. Rain finally stopped, so we went to pick up a boat from Lake Norman. Swing says in the post of the video, When I came around the corner, I saw this thing sitting still very close. Swing's video went unnoticed for weeks, but gained attention last week after being featured in two British tabloids. So, uh, hmm. a lot of people think this is a real UFO, so let's take a peek at it. I'll make it on the full screen. Oh, Jesus. This is a really shaky video, so it's hard Good to Lord. see. Okay, so you oh. can see it right there for a second. God damn. Oh, yeah. This guy is gonna gonna make Does me vomit. Have, like, Parkinson's. Yeah, I feel like he's like like drunk or something. Probably. Like he needs a drink. He's probably out at the. You know, he's been out at the lake. He's been drinking all day. That sort of thing. I mean, it could just be a good side view of a plane. That could be a blimp. It kind of looks like the side view of oh, a no, plane. It seems too thin to be a blimp. I mean, if it is just. Really, if it's far it's not a plane way. because it's not moving. So it can't be a plane because it's that. still sitting there in the same spot. 
Jesus, dude. That's true. It this dude is really bad. He needs to get his shit together. This what guy, the hell is happening with this guy? This guy is guy? the worst at taking video. How trashed was this dude? Oh, God, now I thought that was like snow on the screen, but it was just the road. Now it's just, I mean, it is staying in the same place. It looks like a giant whale. Kind of. Flo yeah. Floating there. Kind of. Ugh, I hate this guy for not having steady hands. God, I'm gonna have a fucking stroke. <laughs> oh this, God. this is like legitimately the worst videographer in history of, of mankind. Yeah, dude, hold that shit uh, like somewhat still. Why God did damn. fate have to pick this asshole? To so yeah, this looks. I don't know. This looks up. like it looks like it could be a blimp, but yeah, it's a. I think Jared's right. It's a little too skinny to be a blimp. It could be the side view of a plane, but, but planes move. It is staying still. That's yeah. weird. You, usually, if it's a plane, you can still see like the tail of the plane, even if you can't That's see true. the wing. Yeah, right. This Although, thing I looks mean, big. Like, if it it looks like plane. it's pretty far away, and it's gigantic. Yeah. Here's a thought. Could you? You could, if you took a balloon, like a big fucking balloon that was made to be thin like that. And you just held it in place by string, like a I long guess, but that's fucking string. Really high up. It would still move, like even like to string enough it still to get it that way would have enough leeway that it would float back and forth. Yeah, like a kite. It would. Yeah. It, it would move. It would move around a little bit. That I thing doesn't that's change not position moving at all. Oh, so it's just that's really true. high up for a balloon. It is. I'm just saying, like if you if you were hell bent on doing a hoax video, yeah, you yeah. could. But I mean, maybe you could do that, but that is not what this appears to be. This appears this appears to be legit. It kind of does. I'm pissed that this asshole had to be the yeah, person really. to take the video. That's annoying. Yeah, I wish somebody that like knew how to operate a camera. <laughs> just like hold the fucking just phone hold still. Is he like running in place while he was no, taking this? No, he's Jesus. just spazzing out. Yeah, like, well, I don't know. Out? You might be shaking if you saw a giant UFO too. Uh, I'd be coming. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some cryptozoology. Ooh, Ooh Jared's a sea beast. <laughs> Jared the Sea Beast Walker. Hey. <laughs> Unidentified sea beast caught lurking off the coast of England. Here's another ah. great video. While Kevin Burton was enjoying the morning view with his coffee, he noticed the mystery sea creature rising about the water's surface. This is what he states about the event. That on this nice warm morning, sitting on the north side at the start of the North Pier in... Tine mouth with my morning coffee on my way to this side of the pier at low tide and time moth having beachside. Who the fuck talks like that? Who for does one, talk that's like a quote. That? Who gives a oh, shit about this your coffee? Is that what that is? He also went. Uh, he also went on to add, "I think I witnessed the first uh, sitting sighting of the Loch Ness monster outside of Scotland. This footage was captured on August tenth, twenty eighteen, in Tyne and Ware, England." Let's take a look. Oh, of course, get this stupid fucking intro video. Alright, the hidden, the hidden underbelly. underbelly. Wow, that's wow. cheesy as fuck. At Looks like a crocodile or something. Oh. It's like Can you maximize that? Oh, that's yes. really eel-like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it looks like a fucking eel. 
Yeah, this is really, really weird. hard to describe what it is. Actually, it, it just—it looks like a giant snake of yeah, some sort. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a fucking snake. Kind of looks like a like a seal to me. It's too thin. To yeah, be a I thought seal. it because uh, I thought it might have been a seal because the the skin kind of looks the same. It's long though. But if you look at the first shot, you can see how far the tail goes out, or you know, its body, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Do they have? Pythons in Britain? I doubt it. It's that too is cold. A hell of a the head shapes off. For See, look, look how far that See is. See how it snakes it like is. that. It almost looks like a crocodile. You're really, you're right, except for that part right no, there. No, it's too smooth to be like a yeah. Yeah, crocodile it's, or it's alligator. So smooth. It's got s- Could it be smooth, an, like seal-like eel? skin. It's probably a giant eel from uh, from the depths of the ocean. Might be a big fucking. Could be eel. a big catfish. They don't stop growing e- either. Maybe a giant catfish. If you look at if you look at the water here, though, so look at that. That's yeah, really look weird. at that shit. What the hell? Like that's that's like snakeish. That's some weird shit. But if you look at the water, it can't be that deep here. Look, you can no, even see no, the no, you no. can see the bottom right here. And look how close it is to the shore. Like yeah, it's not very deep. That's a really weird thing. Some kind of giant snake. I think it's an eel of some sort. Do not go swimming in. Tyne and Ware, England. Yeah, fuck man, they that. have bad names for their places in England. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that sounds swimming like there. A, anyways. Honestly, that sounds like a Welsh name. I think it is Wales. I wouldn't know. All right, let's get on to the important stuff. What's Bigfoot's dick like? Oh, what? And other questions inspired by Denver Riggleman. There's a warning on this article. Not safe for work. This article contains detailed drawings of Bigfoot's penis. Yes. Be appropriate for work. All right. Not safe for work. This has been. This has been something on my mind for a little bit. <coughs> like, I've noticed that there is a big discrepancy between male Bigfoot hunters and female Bigfoot hunters. There aren't that many. Like, you don't There's hear... There's not that many fe- female ones, yeah. Which, which I find to be bullshit. Because if the dude is called Bigfoot... Why aren't there more female Bigfoot hunters? Saying he's got a big hog? Yes! (coughs) I just think it's a nice way of saying it's big dick. Uh, On Sunday evening, Leslie Cockburn, this is from a few weeks ago. (coughs) This is from the end of last month. Uh, Leslie Cockburn, a Democratic candidate for the U.S. House race in Virginia, accused her Republican opponent, Denver Riggleman, which is an awful name, by the way, of cavorting with white supremacists and of having a hard-on for Bigfoot. (laughs) Okay. Yes, that Bigfoot, six foot nine, hair in all the right places and everywhere else. So emotionally unavailable, he's rumored to not even exist. <laughs> uh, On Twitter, Cockburn publicly accused Riggleman of being a devotee of Bigfoot erotica, sharing a not safe for work drawing of Bigfoot's bod that Riggleman apparently posted on his Instagram account. Wow. However, the drawing's main event. The Sascock, if you will, is censored <laughs> by a hefty black box. I like this writer. Nice. Ooh, it's censored. The the tweet, which quickly went viral, raised more questions than it answered. In particular, one big, hard, probing oh question God. sprung to mind. To quote Azalea Banks' two, 2014 hit, what, uh, What's your dick like, homie? What are you into? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this is the tweet, and it shows this is what... Denver Riggleman posted on his Instagram account. That's awesome. So, okay. So did he actually post that? Or is he yeah, yeah, he did. So here's my thing. Fuck him for being a white supremacist. That's weird and gross. But I kind of feel bad because I, too, believe in Bigfoot. 
And if I wanted to run for something, I wouldn't want that to be the thing held against me. Can I just... I have a bunch of other issues. Can I just say this art quote from the article right now? You know Sasquatch got that big dick energy, <laughs> but there's got to be more to the relatively popular Bigfoot fantasy than penis girth, right? <laughs> Is Riggleman more than just a size queen? <laughs> So, uh, let's see. Writer Robin North's erotica, Bigfoot Depravity, provides me with some additional detail. Describing the member in question as a solid rod of pain. Oh, Jesus. Nice. Featuring a vein-covered shaft of solid meat and a bloated bell end. Oh, <laughs> bell end? That is the worst so, so I've ever The writer is quoting from erotic fiction having to do with Bigfoot. And I d- remember when we were looking for Bigfoot books on Amazon, there was a there lot was a of lot Bigfoot of erotic There's fiction. There's a lot. What, I mean, could you have to assume he's carrying a big like, fucking dick? pounded by <laughs> President carrying, Bigfoot. He's carrying a solid rod of pain. And Bigfoot Dude. pirates haunt my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Bloated bell ends, the first thought I have is the popping noise. I just hear a pop. Like, Ugh. That's fucking gross oh, and so awesome. Drawing? Yep. Please, yeah. give well, the, it the, me. the author of the article uh, decided to take out the black box and add in their own interpretation. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I need to see this. Have you scrolled down uh, enough for me to see Fairy tales and folklore forests have long symbolized the deep wilds of the unknown. Bigfoot represents a being on the cusp between civility and wildness. That's a weird moment in this so, article. Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, he's Here not he cut. Oh wow, that's a Oh, that is. Oh. That's, that's a pretty big dick. I would definitely describe that as a rod of pain. <laughs> is it me or is that supposed to be a vein or is it like a vagina on the end? That's supposed to be a vein. Oh, it looks like a vagina. He's got a knobby head. That's weird. According to Wednesday Black, writer of the erotic fantasy novella How to Train Your Virgin, Bigfoot's appeal stems from simply the fact that he's a sweet sweet fantasy baby. <laughs> Black explained how fantastical creatures like Bigfoot can make tempting sexual partners uh, because of their distance from reality and thus all the limitations, taboos, and conventions it demands. So he's he's breaking it down, what's going on in people's mind when they're jacking off to this stuff. Why do we need to break this down? You just <laughs> I mean, want some sweet fucking Sasquatch We, we know why people want to fuck Bigfoot. It's because of that sweet, sweet oh, there's a little dick rod of pain. Right Oh. Yeah, so he, he tried a couple of different ones. I don't like little dick Bigfoot. That's, I mean, that's still a big I mean, dick. yeah, it's still pretty big. No, I'm a six foot nine I person. don't think it's proportional. It just looks, it's, it's, it's not, not proportional. proportional. It bothers me. Like, the tip of the dick's just below the balls. This is, this is, this is a not safe for work episode. Some, some big balls. <laughs> I hope you're wearing headphones. I mean, we did start by saying this. I suppose, hold on, scroll work. up a little bit. Here's a quote. I suppose there could be a connection to right-wing values in a very ironic sort of way. Conservative conservatives tend to like big, strong men and traditional women. I can't think of a bigger, stronger man than Bigfoot. I right. need that as a tattoo. <laughs> All right, let's see. I can't think of a stronger let's man than the, Bigfoot. Let's see the next Bigfoot dick. <laughs> More so, Bigfoot dick. On that note, please enjoy the rest of my drawings on Bigfoot's big old dick. <laughs> oh, God, what's uh, all the red in it? Oh, my God, there's a lot of red. Bigfoot's yeah. penis if Bigfoot was a ginger. That's yeah, what yeah. That's oh. what I You know what? I, I'll be honest, that's exactly what I thought it what? was. Is this a ghost Bigfoot, dick? Bigfoot's ghost, ghost penis. It is a ghost dick. I called it. Wow, the ghost dick's even bigger. Yeah. I, it's all... What Bigfoot's is... Bigfoot's duck... That's a duck penis. Oh, God. Oh. It's a corkscrew. 
Oh, oh why, is it, why is it leaking? <laughs> Bigfoot. No, it's corkscrew penis. Oh, is Bigfoot. this never nude? <laughs> is that hanging ne- out the box? It's never nude penis. Yeah, I called it. But he's also got little Donnie syndrome. I fucking called oh, it. There's him erect. Is that erect? Just pointing straight up. Oh wow. Oh wow. Due okay. north. What the? One more time. The bigger, original. longer, and uncut. <laughs> Wow! This so yeah, was. I, I think I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we uh, got to discuss this. This <laughs> made my day. Who wrote this? Who wrote this? Let's give this, them credit. This is by. They put some uh, work in. A Huffington Post writer called uh, Priscilla Frank. Thank you, Priscilla right. Frank. Yeah, thanks, Priscilla Frank. Thank I you. Bet she fucking. If I were her, I would have enjoyed writing this article. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sure she enjoyed this article. I hope she did. I enjoyed it. Thank you for all the Bigfoot dicks. Yeah, so many Bigfoot dicks. All right, moving on to some paranormal stuff. Ooh. Fresno nightcrawlers are terrorizing the dark, and they're spreading far from California. Ugh. California. That's how you have to say it now, yeah. Fresno, California might not always be the most exciting place in the world, but they have one claim to fame that's out of this world. The Fresno Nightcrawler sightings began back in the 1990s and have only occurred a few times since then. These strange beings are cryptids that look like pants, but they are only a few feet high and just wandering through the street. There are only a few eyewitnesses in Fresno, but they do pop up on surveillance cameras, uh, startling whoever has the misfortune to check the tapes the next day. So most of these sightings are just from people... That have just like happened to scroll through their security thing, you know, like, like maybe you go out to get the mail or the newspaper in the morning, and somebody's fucking dog took a shit on your lawn, no, you're like, and you're like, "I'm gonna see who this is," and then you go, and then there's like creepy ghost pants floating through the yard. No, this is this confirms one of my biggest fears is I have a thing about surveillance. Everything's one of your biggest footage. fears. I just want to put that. I on have the a record. lot of fears. <laughs> But like I'm really, I get really nervous with surveillance footage, and I get nervous like taking a selfie because I'm always scared like something's gonna pop up behind me. I've seen. Or too like you many... check the photo later, and there's like a yes. translucent face behind I'm you. I'm fucking horrified of this. I've seen way too many paranormal activities. I'm so scared of surveillance shit. Alright, it freaks yeah, I, me out. I, I'm with you on that one. I, I'm the same way. Like when I go in a like a room and there's a mirror and you can adjust the mirror. I'm always scared. Nope. Like, if I adjust the mirror slightly to the left, there gonna be a face there's going right to be a person Smoosh behind Davey. me. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen too much of that shit. I don't even look in mirrors anymore. I'm just a monster. <laughs> I can't not look because what if my reflection's looking at me? Oh, God. Yeah, what if your reflection's just a bit slower than you are? Exactly. So, uh... It says much video footage of cryptids is easily debunked by video analysis, but the weird thing about the Nightcrawlers is that the videos seem to be legit. As goofy and awkward as these mysterious creatures may appear, faking them would prove to be a difficult task. So then, what exactly are we seeing here? Uh, No one is entirely sure. Ghost alien, a possessed pair of pants, one of the weirdest alien hoaxes ever concocted. We may never know, but the facts about the Fresno Nightcrawlers we do know are enough to leave anyone scratching their head. All right, let's see the video. So it was sometime in the 1990s or 2000s, depending on who you ask, that the Nightcrawlers first began to emerge. One night a family in Fresno, California decided to set up a security camera above their garage because they often heard their dogs barking at night. So they wanted to see what the fuck the, like... That drives me crazy. That's yeah. one of my things is like, what are the dogs barking at right now? Yeah, probably and, somebody walking through your yard. And you don't need to know. If you live through the night, then you'll live through the next night. 
you're better off not knowing. That's my that's my idea. I think my dogs are always just barking at a cat. Probably. Or coyotes. Best to assume There's that. There's coyotes. In or the Fresno Nightcrawlers. So they didn't know what it was. Perhaps it was a burglar or a strange animal. So what they saw the next day was enough to shock them into calling the police. All right. The footage showed a pair of small creatures only a few feet in height. They walked almost surreally across the screen, and the family figured it was these things that had caused the dogs to bark so much. Well, yeah. So let's take a peek. Right, let's have a big old gander. What this do? This is some, yeah. Wow, this, this is, is wow. This is this is some old grainy security well, footage. Like but look at these things. Oh my god! These things are creepy as shit. Ew! What the shit? It looks like bell bottoms. It looks like someone just was cut off at the torso, and only their legs are moving. Fuck, I don't like that. Legit, I don't again. like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they were, I think they were well within their rights to call the police. Yeah. <laughs> what the? They fuck stretch even is so that? wide. No one. That, that's not a person. That's something else. That is. Da- people don't walk like that. Nothing yeah. walks. You can oh, see the shadow of it. That makes me feel upset. Ooh, that makes me feel sick in my stomach. I don't like so that. So the family or the police couldn't figure out what these creatures were. Soon the media got a hold of the footage and the Fresno nightcrawlers were all the rage. The family decided they wanted to remain anonymous so as to avoid the supernatural spotlight. So they could be aliens. One okay, of the well, they don't look like that drawing. Yeah, that drawing <laughs> is far off. That's the, that's the thing from Stranger Things. That's kind close. of. It's close. One of the prevailing theories about these creatures is that they are aliens. They may move like people sometimes, but they are too small and move too awkwardly to be human. They don't resemble any known terrestrial creatures either. It stands to reason, then, that they may not be of this planet. So, they don't seem to be stealing anything or want to do anyone any harm, and they've yet to abduct a person or animal. So, basically, like, they see these things, but they never, like, leave, like, an impact of any kind. Yeah. Just, they just keep like, walking. Yeah, they just... Walking aliens. Just keeping on trucking. Let's see. It might be uh, straight out of Native American lore. Okay. Huh. All right. Uh, according to the tribe members that live near Fresno, the Nightcrawlers are beings that have pretty much always lived on Earth, even before human beings got there. According to these myths, the Nightcrawlers have long legs that allow them to move through difficult or boggy landscapes because they are swamp world beings. The beings are part of our world now in order to rebuild a connection between human beings and our natural surroundings as a sort of peace barrier. While they don't seem to have uh, made any noticeable efforts of doing this so far, the fact that the stories about them have existed for generations indicates that they might have something, uh, might be nothing new to Fresno. I can, so, yeah. I can see the, like, judging their intentions is hard is a little bit ridiculous, but I can see where they'd get the idea that... Well, I mean, to me... If there are if there are native people that have had that story for a long time in the area and they exactly describe those fucking things. Well yeah, that then sure. that's what the fuck they are. But judging what their intentions are is a different story altogether. Well yeah, who knows they might, they who might knows not how they know their intentions. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Well, I mean they didn't kill them. So, so that's cool. It seems like good they intentions. They seem peaceful enough. Yeah, they just kept they just kept on uh, moving. Yeah, they're not bad intentions. Moving. I don't want them around. Yeah, yeah watch they make this, me feel weird. Watch this video. So here's um a new here's a newer sighting in uh in March of 2011. Yosemite National Park officials were putting up cameras in an attempt to catch vandals that had been stealing and damaging private property. Bigfoot, obviously. Yeah. Instead, what they caught was some rather distressing footage. The security cameras again captured images of pale, small, and limbless creatures just walking down one of the park paths. 
Again, once the media cut a hold of the footage, the Fresno Nightcrawlers were on everyone's lips once more. So these appear to be the same ones spotted in Fresno. So let's, uh... Oh, there... Oh, Jesus there, Christ! They look there. exactly the same! It's exactly the same thing. It looks like they a floating pair of They move exactly the same! Oh, there's more than there's one. There's more than yeah. one. Well, there were two in the original one. There was one that was just standing there. It didn't move. That's yeah. That's one of the things about these you know is what? that they usually are seen in pairs. From this from this angle, it looks like they have inverted knees almost. What the? It doesn't even look fuck? like they have knees. What the fuck? What are these things? These are very strange. Legit, this might be the freakiest thing I've seen while we've been working on this show. Like it. The like it's actually really fucking good footage. Yeah, look at the one in the background. That one's hauling ass. Well, it's got shorter legs as to keep up. Holy shit! These things are. This is some believable fucking shit. But what is it? Like <laughs> a human. I have no idea. A human could not dress up and make the shape that those things are making. Look yeah, look how long its limbs They're are. They're so fucking long. There's no fucking way. And they split so high up that a human torso wouldn't fit in there. Yeah, it's really weird. Here's Jesus a good picture of them. That's, yeah, that's what that's they look like. Drawing, yeah. yeah, this picture here. So it says to, it says uh they seem to be humanoid. I don't know if they seem to be humanoid at all. I don't Ish, know. at best. Yeah, ish, I, I mean, a strong ish. They have legs. That's the yeah. only. They <laughs> that's have the legs, only thing that they have. And there's kind of like a top. There's kind of a head thing going on, but not really. Yeah, there's like a little ball at the top. Yeah, kind of like barely, you know. It said they may uh, they may have two small eyes, which people have found after some footage analysis. After all, they are bipedal, which indicates that for all their strangeness, they are humanoid. I guess. I guess that counts. Fine. No one in Fresno ever had an encounter in person. Thank God. Or that they lived to tell the tale. They, we said they appear to travel in pairs. They appear to be wearing clothes. I don't know. Are those clothes? No, I don't they, see I don't that. think that's clothes. They could be membranes. It seems like a membrane type thing. Like, it, it would also make sense for them to be membranous if they were swamp creatures. Oh, yeah. there are they statues of them? Easily travel in... Yeah, those are the native. So statues. yeah, there's Native American statues of these things That's all over the area. That's what they fucking look like. They're yeah. carved out of wood and maybe of Native American in origin, perhaps uh, depicting the swamp beings described by the Fres Fresno native locals. What's more is that they seem to be photographed in multiple places, perhaps even internationally. They may have popped up in other states too. So there's a sighting in Manchester, Indiana. Uh. In 2004, reports uh, a report says that a 17-year-old motorist was driving at night when he saw a strange thing on the side of the road. It was thin, with long legs, and looked humanoid without being truly human. It moved oddly, as if disjointed, and was described similarly to the creatures in Fresno, with one major difference. This one was over six feet tall. Hmm. A second car passed the figure containing two... Uh, elderly passengers who also say they saw the being. So it's like confirmed sighting. Uh, they conferred with the other motorists and all three agrees that what they have seen was not human. They drove uh, together out of the area, obviously rattled by the experience. Whether or not this is the same creature seen in Fresno is uncertain, but fucking probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily be scared of these things. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I would, you, you're just scared because you don't know what it is or what it wants. I would be unsettled by I, I'd be not scared knowing. if I saw it. Like, just I wouldn't be scared if I just saw it walking along, but I would be scared if, as I saw it walking along, it stopped, turned, and started walking towards True me. True that. Yeah, no, I'd be I like, don't okay, want to no, interact with it. I don't want to. Uh, I think I would go. I, I think I would go up to it, see what it is. It just gave you some chocolate-covered coins. I, I feel like uh, there used to be like old legends, like um, like Native American legends about plants that would move. Like they at night they'd uproot themselves and move to a different location. Ooh, they called them like walking good, flowers. Thought, yeah. Um, okay. And there's like old there's old drawings of like like their roots were like just that long weird. Root I know legs. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of an old Dr. Seuss story where a pair of pants, like, escaped and was, like, running around the countryside. Ah. What was it? What? Was that Dr. Seuss? Do you guys remember this book? I don't remember this book. No, I don't. Are you from the other universe where it's Berenstein Bears? It is. Well, yeah, that's what I remember it being. Yeah. I, are you thinking of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? <laughs> no, I do I, love that movie, though. That's a different thing. I don't know. I never read it slash saw it. I just assumed it was a sci-fi. Yeah, I imagined I it, was it was sci-fi. Like I thought it was about on these things. I really thought it was about these things. All right. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about the uh, the legend of D.B. Cooper with some uh, new compelling evidence. Ooh, okay. Mystery may be solved. Be right back. listening uh now it's time to talk about the legend of db cooper and the money he took that's in a kid rock song db cooper well i mean he's kind of like an outlaw hero you yeah know? outlaw legend and hero never got caught but one of the reasons he might have never been caught is because he may have died in that parachute yeah. jump <laughs> yeah there there there's a pretty substantial theory that he just died he on died, yeah. the ground. either way i mean is that not the most badass death ever? It's a Even pretty badass died? thing. I mean, it's scary. It's, if you were there, it'd be pretty scary. It's pretty yeah. awesome, though. Like, he robbed an airplane and just fucking jumped out the door. Peace out, motherfuckers, and just jumped out. Like. So, who is D.B. Cooper? The question has persisted since November 24th, 1971, when a mysterious man hijacked a flight from Portland to Seattle, demanded parachutes, and $200,000 and skydived into folk hero history. We don't even know that D.B. Cooper is his name. That's true. It's probably I mean, that's not. what they that's what he said his name was. Well, that's just that's I think what he bought the ticket under. Right, right. Uh, Cooper who actually bought his plane ticket which cost $20 including tax under the name Dan Cooper. The DB was misreported early on and it stuck. Okay, so it isn't even D.B. Cooper, it was Dan Cooper? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, that could be a fake name, too. Back then, like, what did you really need to purchase a plane ticket? Yeah, so... $20, apparently. He left very few clues behind. One 
uh, pictured below is his clip on or is his clip, clip on tie from which DNA was extracted in 2001. A forensic advancement that has helped rule out a few promising suspects. He also left behind a parachute and its bag. He used part of the chute to tie up his money. In, 19, uh, in 1980, $5,800 of Cooper's ransom money was found by an eight-year-old boy on a camping trip. No shit! How cool is that? That's some Goonies-level shit. Yeah, you you're, on a boy, you're in the Boy Scouts and you find five grand in the woods? Yeah. That's cool. All I found was a box of porno magazines and some really warm bush. I found a... <laughs> Wait what? Wait. Wait what? No, the, the brand of beer. Oh. Okay. Oh. oh. I. You know what? Uh. What's funny is the first place <coughs> I went was to like the bush plant. Like the bush was extremely warm. You're you're very innocent. Yeah. Uh, the Cooper case is alluring to law enforcement, like FBI agent Larry Carr, who uh, reignited interest in the case in 2007. He's featured in the video at the end of this post, so I'll put this in the show notes. And amateur detectives who pour over its details in online message boards. And Cooper is still a pop culture touchstone. There's even a music festival named after him. But who was he? And what happened after he leaped away from Flight uh, 305? Here are just some of the explanations that have been considered over the past four decades. The first and most obvious conclusion is that D.B. Cooper, whoever he was, did not survive the jump. The FBI considers this a possibility. We originally thought Cooper was an experienced jumper, perhaps even a paratrooper, said Special Agent Carr. We concluded after a few years this was simply not true. No experienced parachutist would have jumped in the pitch black of night, in the rain, with a 200-mile-an-hour wind in his face, wearing loafers and a trench coat. <laughs> yes! It was simply too risky. Spy. <laughs> he also missed that... Uh, he also missed that his reserve chute was only for training and had been sewn shut, something a skilled skydiver would have checked. Although, I mean... This guy gave zero fucks, yeah, is like what I'm hearing. Yeah, he's already robbing a plane and planning to jump out He doesn't it. give a fuck. It might have just been some desperate guy who had, you know, $25. You know, he had 20 bucks for the plane ticket. He had $5 for the parachute. A song in his heart. Didn't, op- didn't bother opening song the reserve. in his heart, gun in his hand. Yeah. Uh, and even if he made it to the ground alive, it was winter, and he was dressed for air travel, not forest survival. It's almost certain he had no uh, accomplices waiting to meet him. For one thing, there would have been no way for anyone to track his location. His instructions to the pilot were just fly to Mexico, and he jumped at, ran- at a random location with zero ground visibility, according to Carr. That's fucking badass is what it is. That's crazy. Yeah. As many agents before him, Carr thinks he- it's uh, highly unlikely that Cooper survived the jump. Diving into the wilderness without a plan, without the right equipment, in such terrible conditions, he probably never even got his chute open. <laughs> However, his body and the parachute he used have never been found. So here's some pictures. Uh, that's an important thing. That's some of the money that that oh, kid that money found. Was fucked up. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good spending money, but it's still interesting. And why only? Why did he only find five thousand of the two hundred thousand? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell happened to the other fuck ten thousand? It was 200000 Did they say, like, was the money bundled that, that the kid found, what, the 5000 was it all bundled together, or was it just, like, spread along the ground? It doesn't say. Maybe we I can would look imagine. That up. All of the, if you look at the bills in, those pi- in the picture there that the kid found, they're all shaped in that weird Yeah, so they're probably just way. bundled. They're probably bundled together. Yeah. I mean, it was, what, n- nine years later? But that's plenty of time for money hanging out in the woods to get fucked up. Yeah. Uh... Here's uh, the second theory is Kenneth Christensen. In 2007, uh, uh, Jeffrey 
Gray's New York Magazine article, Unmasking D.B. Cooper and subsequent book, Skyjack, The Hunt for D.B. Cooper, offered an in-depth look at the case. He was the first reporter given access to FBI's Cooper case files, so his perspective is unusually detailed. The starting point for Gray's story, a New York private detective who was contacted by an elderly man, Lyle Christensen, who had become convinced that his late brother Kenneth was Cooper, and who was obsessed with Nora Ephron, <laughs> or who was getting obsessed with getting Nora Ephron to make a movie. He su his suggested title, Bashful in Seattle, about how he solved the case. Okay. So this guy's insane, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenneth Christensen had been a paratrooper who, whose first deployment came just after World War II. After he left the military, he worked as a mechanic and a flight pursuer for Northwest Orient Airlines, the carrier that Cooper chose for his hijack. There were other eerie similarities, too, like the fact that Kenneth loved bourbon and that he'd bought a house, a modest one, not long after the crime. Author uh, Gray showed Kenneth's photo to the only hijack witness who's still alive, a woman who'd been a flight attendant that November night, and she acknowledged the resemblance with reservations. Most intriguingly, there was this, as Gray writes. On his deathbed, Lau remembers his older brother pulled him close. He then said something that didn't make sense to him then. It does now. Kenny said, there is something you should know, but I cannot tell you. Lyle didn't want to know. I don't care what it is. You can't tell. You cannot tell me about it. We all love you. I would want to know. Yeah. 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 Who gives Why would you deny deathbed? him his deathbed confession? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to like hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, man. I don't want to hear about the weird kid shit you're into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the FBI isn't so sure. It's a response to Gray's initial article pointed to the fact that Christensen had been a paratrooper since the agency thinks the hijacker could not have been one. And the fact that Christensen was shorter and slighter than eyewitness descriptions of Cooper. Also, the hijacker had hair while Christensen was balding, though, as an acquaintance recalled, Kenny sometimes wore a toupee. It probably just flew off when he fell off the airplane. Can you imagine? Just because someone was a paratrooper doesn't mean they don't have the, the gall to try it in a ridiculous situation. Yeah, like, he's like... He yeah, he might have gone crazy. Yeah, or he didn't realize that it was going to rain and shit. And it's like, he's on the plane, he paid the $20, he's planned for it, he's like... Fuck it, I'm just gonna do it, and he jumps out into the you know dark, rainy oblivion. Like, you know, you you schedule this shit. Um, in 2011, a woman named Marla Cooper publicly suggested her late uncle, uh, Lynn Doyle Cooper, or LD, was DB Cooper. Her mother, Grace Haley, was LD's sister. She agreed with her daughter's theory and had some interesting evidence to back up the family's claims, according to the ABC News report. Haley doesn't remember much about that Thanksgiving in 1971 where her brother-in-law returned to the house in Sisters, Oregon, but she believes he could be the hijacker. Haley's statements are one reason why FBI thinks that the tip from Marla Cooper is credible. I've always had a gut feeling it was LD, Haley told ABC News. I think it was more what I didn't know is what made me suspicious than what I did know because whenever the topic came up, it immediately got cut off again. Haley says that LD grew up in Sisters and was familiar with the area where the hijacker jumped, a fact that is consistent with the FBI's theory that D.B. Cooper knew the Pacific Northwest. He was also a war veteran, which matches the theory that the hijacker had a military background, and he was a logger and an outdoorsman. Tough enough, Haley believes, to leap out of a plane into the wilderness. Well, I mean, say that... It, how hard would it be to figure out what area you're over on a plane. Like, so you know 
when the plane takes off, you know roughly how fast. Yeah, you know it's going. well. You know where it's headed to, and you know where it's headed. Yeah, you, and then you say turn towards Mexico at a certain time. I mean, that's not that hard of a calculation. But there were yeah. two hundred mile per hour winds. That he flew into. So, yes, he could look straight down and go, oh, I recognize this fucking well, area. Well, no, not, e- not even looking down. Like, say he's in the plane. It's like, okay, I know what time it took off. I know how fast the plane goes and which direction it's going between Seattle and Portland. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, okay. It's like a math problem on if, the SATs. If, yes, but if you can see it or if you can math it, fine. But what I'm saying is, is that if you've got these ridiculous winds going around and you're falling from that height the wind could blow you around any which way like yeah. yeah you may you may come up with the equation and go oh well you know based on this and this and this i should be right here or you look down and you go oh I'm, i should land there yeah. i recognize the winds, that river yeah but the wind might blow you fucking yeah, 20 yeah miles but if, if, he, if he was that. a if he was a logger and lifelong outdoorsman who knew the you know knew that uh region well he might know where he was as soon as he's on the ground. Yeah, yeah. You're even even from like, here's some more evidence from like a hundred feet up. If you know the region, you're gonna be able to tell where you are. Uh, he also showed up to a fan- uh, family Thanksgiving gathering in 1971, looking quite beat up. There'd been a car accident. He claimed for the purposes of fingerprint testing, Marla Cooper gave the FBI a guitar strap that LD left behind, but it was found not conductive to lifting fingerprints. DNA evidence taken from the sample pulled from the hijacker's tie, assumed to be from the elusive Cooper, but a matter of some contention, more on that below, did not match LD's DNA. Despite the failed length, uh, the new suspect has not been ruled out as a suspect. So, Number four is Dwayne Weber. You want to do this one, Mike? Sure. The FBI will have you know that Dwayne Weber, who claimed to be Cooper on his deathbed, was ruled out by DNA testing, but in 2000, he was still a promising suspect. According to a CBS News report at the time, hospitalized in Florida with kidney disease, Dwayne Weber mentioned to his wife to come close. After 17 years of marriage, there was something she needed to know. He says, come here, come closer. He wanted wanted me about two (laughs) feet from his face, Joe Weber recalls. He says, I have a secret to tell you. I said, what? He says, I'm Dan Cooper. Since her husband's death in 1995, Joe Weber started to piece together the clues dropped over the years. Joe recalled the sleep-talking nightmare Dwayne had about leaving fingerprints on a plane, an old knee injury he claimed he got jumping out of a plane, the local library book on D.B. Cooper with Dwayne Weber's handwriting in the margins, the items she stumbled across during 17 years of marriage. I can't walk away from it, Joe says now. Why would he have an old Northwest Airline ticket? Why would he take me to a place where eventually the money was found? Why all of this? There's too many pieces of the puzzle that fit. Yeah, that seems like a lot of pieces. Yeah, that's a lot so, of evidence right there. It's like there. an elaborate Mike and Lauren uh, prank. Yeah, do you think that was just a prank on his deathbed? He's yeah. like, yeah. I'm Dan Cooper. This is going to be so fucking he's been, funny. No, he's, so been, awesome. he's been planning this for years. He's been leaving <laughs> little clues 
Like, oh, what's wrong with my knee? Oh, I jumped out of a plane once. No, no big deal. Don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> just kept just kept dropping hints. Just like little ones. She found a book about D.B. Cooper with his handwriting in the margins. Like, it's, he checked that out of the library and wrote in it. He wrote and it. And left like, it for his Snoopy wife to find. Like, look, he's got this old plane ticket. That's so shitty. That yeah, he bought a plane mad. ticket from a buddy. Like, hey, you ever ride in a plane? And, well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what their contention is with the evidence of the tie, but how did, yeah, how do they know that that's D.B. Cooper's... Uh, on the tie because uh, Dwayne Weber, they said they tested it against his DNA and that ruled out that he was DB Cooper. But did they test the DNA on the tie to his wife? Yeah, like how would they? How do they know that that? Well, I guess. Cooper's, uh, well, they were only married for seventeen years, but they could like it could have been whoever. Handed him the tie. But here's also It could have been the store clerk's DNA at the time. Do you know how mad I would be if on Mike's deathbed he was like, hey, I was Dan Cooper, and then I put all the fucking bullshit clues together, and then suddenly I realize, wait a fucking minute, we were never rich. Where the fuck did that money go? Do you know how pissed I <laughs> be would pissed be? Because you didn't have any of the money? Yeah. yeah. Dude fucking jumped off a plane with a Santa Claus bag Spend full of money. Spent it all on cigarettes. And I didn't get to enjoy it? That's fucking bullshit. Uh, okay, so at the time, the former lead FBI agent on the case, Ralph Himmelsbach, believed her story, citing Weber's physical resemblance to Cooper and his criminal background. And about that DNA testing ruling him out, as Skyjack author Gray pointed out in a 2011 New York Magazine article, is inconclusive is kind of inconclusive unto itself. Special Agent Ford Gutt said the Fred. DNA... Oh, Fred Gutt, sorry. Said Still the, a weird name. Yeah, yeah, so the DNA sample found on the tie had come from three different people and was not enough to rule Uncle LD out. In the past, other agents have used the partial DNA sample to rule out suspects, most notably Josephine Weber, who for the last 15 years has been aggressively claiming her ex-husband Dwayne Weber, a career felon and con artist who also lived under the name John C. Collins until late in life, was Cooper. It kind of sounds like him. Yeah. Initially, Joe had no idea what he was talking about, and since she read about the article alias The Hijacker gave her, Dan Cooper, she's been trying to prove her case. Agents took forensic samples from Dwayne, such as hair from his razor. Once the partial DNA sample was discovered on the tie in 2007, agents ruled Dwayne out despite Joe's frill, shrill frustration about the quality of the sample. So if the DNA on the tie isn't good enough to rule out Uncle LD, is Cooper suspect Dwayne Weber back in? What about the others? Well, so it's this, like there's there's DNA from three different samples, three different humans are on this tie, and we don't even know if one of those D, uh, DNA samples is Dan Cooper. Yeah. And what if it was like the last three people to touch the tie? Like, yeah, somebody bumps into you in the airport. It was a clip-on tie too. Or clip-on tie. Somebody, somebody sneezes on you. Some, sneezes on you in the bathroom. Yeah, or somebody grabbed it as he was jumping out, like trying to stop. Like they tried to hold him in the plane by his tie, only to find out it was a clip-on, and then he just fell out of the fucking plane. Honestly, that sounds the most realistic, right? Yeah, there. I can see it well, happening. I mean, in my I don't head. know. I, I he said he had a bomb, so I don't think anybody was fucking with him. True. Maybe. But he never actually had a bomb. 
Well, we don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, someone could have called this bluff. He never, just, he never actually blew up a bomb. I love the thematic image in my head of like this guy in this trench coat going, ah, ah, I got your money, and then some dude coming up and grabbing him by the tie. And the tie just comes He's off. like, I got you, and then he just falls out, and he like spreads his arms out like, what now, him, motherfucker? Giving the middle finger. Into the darkness. <laughs> you should make the movie. That, yeah. sounds, that looks good. Yeah. That's it's like a, a great image, it's right? <laughs> The, the Dan Cooper story starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Yes! Dwayne The Rock Johnson yes! is D.B. Cooper. No, I'd cast Tom Jane as D.B. Cooper. No, I want, I want fucking Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and he wears a toupee, just like the other dude mentioned in this. It's just a toupee too small for The Rock's head? Yeah. Yes. And when he falls out, the wind blows it off last minute, but no one sees, so no one's able to say that he was wearing a toupee. But the audience, we know. All right, um... Uh, so let's see. D.B. Cooper's dating and apparently triumphant escapade, oh, daring, sorry, inspired no small amount of copycat crimes. The most high profile was perpetrated by a man who some suspected wasn't a copycat at all. Richard Floyd McCoy Jr., a Vietnam veteran, a former Green Beret helicopter pilot, and an avid skydiver. He was studying law at Brigham Young University. McCoy hijacked a plane in 1972 and parachuted to freedom with half a million dollars, but he was captured days later, having left behind way more evidence than whoever committed the 71 heist. Convicted of the 1972 crime, he busted out of jail in 74 and was killed three months later in an FBI shootout. This guy is kind of a badass, too. Yeah. Though his age, 29 at the time of the Cooper hijacked, and the fact that he had an alibi cast serious doubts... A 1991 book about his exploits raised his ranking on the Who Was D.B. Cooper. Let's papers. let's look at his picture closely, real quick. Can I can I blow that? Oh, I can't blow it up very far. Um, um it's fairly similar. They, yeah, they yeah. both have like little shitty chins. Shitty chins, shitty hair. Yeah. Like like slap a pair of those uh, glasses he was wearing in that one. It could drawing. be the same guy. Could be really, the same guy. Really could. Seven finger that foreheads. That kind of thinning hair. Yeah. Um. D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy, co-authored by an ex-FBI agent named Russell Calamay, was published in 1991. The book made the case that Cooper and McCoy were really the same person, citing similar methods of hijacking and a tie left by Cooper similar to those worn by Brigham Young students. The author said that McCoy never admitted nor denied he was Cooper. So did just nobody ask? Yeah. And when McCoy was directly asked whether he was Cooper, he replied, I don't want to talk to you about it. The agent who killed McCoy is quoted as saying, when I shot Richard McCoy, I shot D.B. Cooper at the same time. The widow of Richard McCoy, Karen Burns McCoy, sued and won a settlement from both the book's co-authors and its publisher. You're slandering my sky, my sky pirate, a dead husband, yeah. by saying that he's another sky pirate. Yeah. Hey, he was the best sky pirate. Make that money, bitch. I like it. Uh, could D.B. Cooper have been a woman? Pilots I like this. turned authors Pat and Ron Foreman believe so, citing a confession later recanted, made to them by their friend Barbara Dayton, a World War II veteran who was born Robert Dayton. Wait, Wait. what? The FBI never commented her. In 2008, the foreman spoke about their book, The Legend of D.B. Cooper, Death by Natural Causes, to fellow author and Cooper enthusiast Bruce A. Smith, who writes, The foremans say 
Dayton uh, told him bits and pieces of her famous story over a lifelong friendship that began in 1977. Perhaps even more startling than the notion that D.B. Cooper was a woman, the foreman's verified Dayton's claim that she received the first sex chain operation in Washington, which was performed in 1969. Huh. Thus, the foreman say Dayton donned the supreme disguise by reverting to her male persona to become D.B. Cooper. So this okay. is a, a trans D.B. Cooper. This is a great twist. That's actually interesting. Yeah. I love this. Keep going, please. One indisputable fact that Barbara Dayton was a highly skilled pilot and parachutist show, uh, showing a fearless fearlessness that bordered on reckless. In addition, she was a proficient machinist and explosive expert, all skills that D.B. Cooper displayed during his hijacking. The foremans, all, uh, the foremans also say that Dayton never spent the money and only did the crime to satisfy personal issues relating to her sex change operation. What? What? Barb was a woman who always lived on the edge, said the foreman. She was fascinating and remarkable woman. Fuck yeah, I like that one. It sounds like she was one. just a daredevil, really. So, so, the, so let me get the story straight. Uh, this dude got a sex change operation to become a woman. Mm-hmm. Put back on her old guy clothes, pretended to be the dude she was, mm-hmm. robbed the plane, jumped out, got away, Went back to being a woman and lived out the rest of her days, and she did it all. For Maybe the that's lulls. why that kid found the. Yeah, she did it for the lols. Maybe that, that's why the kid found that money. Maybe she was just like tossing it around campsites, like walking yeah, through the Pacific Northwest. Oh, like like in the, the Dark Knight, like that story that, Mike uh, Alfred tells. I don't know. I don't Some remember. men just want to watch the world oh. story. <laughs> yeah, she just she just wanted to do it to do it and just fucking threw the money around. That's fucking cool. I like, I like that, that story. story. I'm yeah. a fan of that story. That's uh, good. William Gossett, uh, described as a quirky guy with a military background and the necessary physical characteristics, uh, college instructor Gossett, who died in 2003 and told both of his sons several times that he was the hijacker, his son Kirk recalls taking a strange trip to Vancouver, Canada with his father two years after the hijacking, possibly to stash the ransom money in a safety deposit box there. ABC News reports that the FBI was skeptical of uh, William Gossett's claims. There is not one link to the D.B. Cooper case other than the statements Gossett made to someone, and said FBI Special Agent Larry Carr, who is overseeing the Cooper investigation. Others disagree. Gallen Cook, a Spokane, Washington lawyer who has been investigating the Cooper case for more than 20 years, said he submitted a fingerprint of Gossett's to the FBI's Seattle office in hopes it will confirm his theory, which he plans to publish in a book. Gossett had military experience, including wilderness survival and resembled the FBI composite sketch of Cooper. That's the thing with D.B. Cooper's face is like he's kind of just like the most average he's, white yeah, dude you've ever seen. He's just a skinny... Fucking white. I mean, honestly, John, you could be. I, if I had those glasses on, yeah, and yeah. a clip-on tie, yeah, yeah, and like a trench. Coat. I got the Don't shitty. He was wearing a trench coat. I got yeah. the shitty haircut. I got. The, <laughs> I got everything. Thinning, thinning hair. This is like thin white guy hijacks Someone plane. Should make a cool DB Cooper movie. I would love to watch that. That'd be like fun. Like a new one. Uh, John List. Uh, this irresistibly insane theory includes here because how could we not? John List killed his entire family in 1971. Holy fuck. The same year D.B. Cooper took to the air. He was captured in 1989 after living under a false identity for 17 years, thanks to a tip generated by America's Most Wanted. Huh. Great show. <laughs> could he have been Cooper? Probably not. But why not throw his name in there anyway? In 1989, okay. in the wake of uh, List's high-profile arrest, the LA Times offered the following speculation. 
John List is one of any number of people suspected in the D.B. Cooper case, FBI spokesman John Ayer said. He'll be investigated until he is eliminated. Ralph uh, Himmelsbach, a retired FBI agent who investigated the hijacking, believes Cooper died, but said List warrants investigating. Himmelsbach, who now lives in Portland, said List and Cooper have similar descriptions. Cooper was described in his mid-40s. List was 44 at the time of the slangs. Both were about the same height and weight and wore glasses. You know what? I'm going to dig you up a picture of my dad from the 70s. He looked just like D.B. Cooper. Oh, my God. Let's put that out into the universe that Mike's dad is D.B. No, Cooper. No, seriously. If, like, a, there's a picture of my dad from the 70s. He does look like Legit, Jesus your dad's so weird. Your dad's so weird and out there because he fell on his head while he was getting out of the plane. That's why. So here's the updated... This is, this is a story that just came out this week. D.B. Cooper investigators claim they discovered Skyjacker's identity. Wait, hold on. Before we get like something more concrete, do, do we have a favorite? Does everyone have a favorite? I like the... Uh, Barbara's my favorite. I like that one or the, um, the McCoy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one, too. Those are my two favorites. What about you guys? What do you, who would you put your money on? John, no reading I would ahead. say... Uh, uh, yeah, McCoy. No, Richard McCoy. That's and then the one before that was that Dwayne Weber, mm. who yeah, the one who is either DB Cooper. He's playing an elaborate practical joke on his I wife. I love that. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Uh, my favorite is is a secret one that I'll reveal at the end of this article. Okay. okay. So you're just gonna go with whatever we say is right. Uh, oh, no. does this have the actual answer? I think so. I think so. Okay. Well, then let me uh, let me put another the, my theory then. What is your theory? So my, my favorite theory is one that's actually posted by uh, XKCD, which is a, prolif- a very prolific uh, webcomic that's put out so many different uh, topics that there's not people say that there's not a topic they haven't touched on. And oh, so, of yeah. course, they have touched on who is D.B. Cooper. Mm-hmm. And this one, they posit that uh, could D.B. Cooper be Tommy Wiseau, oh, yeah. director <laughs> of The Room? They put on there like, uh, well... D.B. Cooper, he vanished mysteriously with a large amount of money. Tommy Wiseau appeared mysteriously with a large amount of money. <laughs> D.B. Cooper, his real age and name are unknown. Uh, Tommy Wiseau, colleagues claim he is much older than he claims. Ah. Tommy Wiseau is a vampire from the early 1400s. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, to- D.B. D.B. Cooper, he is uh, ambiguous, possibly uh, affected speaking style. Uh, negotiable American currency, you know. Uh, Tommy Wiseau, ambiguous, possibly affected speech style. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Yeah. Ah. You know, uh, no fate idea where unknown, that background unknown. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of things that line up with who they who it could be. It might be the dumbest theory that you've ever heard, well, it's but funny, it explains my first everything. Was the age That's wouldn't match awesome. up, and then you're like, well, the people say he's older than he I claims. I love that, but I'm not gonna let go of Barbara. I'm I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, a team of former FBI investigators is claiming to have proof of the real identity of D.B. Cooper, the notorious airplane hijacker who has remained at large since he parachuted out of a Seattle-bound plane with $200,000 in 1971. According to filmmaker and author Thomas Colbert, who has led the independent investigation of the cold case for the last seven years, the real Cooper is a 74-year-old Vietnam veteran named Robert Rackstraw, and the proof is hidden in a series of letters originally written by Cooper in the months after the hijacking and his disappearance. Ooh. 
Rackstraw, former Special Forces paratrooper, explosives expert, and pilot with about 22 different aliases, was once a, once a person of interest in the case, but was eliminated as a suspect by the FBI in 1979. That was before the DNA test. Right. His elimination was uh, controversial amongst the investigating agents, and he remained, for many, the most viable suspect in what remains the only unsolved case of air piracy in the United States. In 2016, the FBI announced they were ending their investigation. This has been a cover-up. They're stonewalling, Colbert told the Seattle Post-Intelligencer. He believes the FBI protected Rackstraw because he was involved in numerous classified units during the war and may have worked for the CIA. This is an old-fashioned scandal, he said. A rep for FBI's Seattle field office told Rolling Stone that they have received a, an immense number of tips over the years, but none to date have resulted in a definitive identification of the hijacker. Okay, pause that for a second. And here's a theory that I just came up with of, as to why they would be doing that, right? This was in the early 70s. If this guy did this, this is around the time they were funding cocaine into... Uh, uh, South America, right? So they wanted to use untraceable money while well, stealing $200,000. and For a down payment? Yeah, for a down payment. <clears throat> if he was working for the CIA. Why, if you needed untraceable money and you were the CIA, why wouldn't you Well, just this money it, wasn't untraceable. Why wouldn't you just have it printed? Yeah, but not traceable <laughs> back to the, to the government. Nah, to the CIA. This yeah. seems like a lot of effort for something they could easily well, here's do. A question they could just thinking. have the money printed. Here's the question I've been thinking. Do airplanes carry a lot of cash? Like, I mean, why is there so much cash on I these airplanes? I think at the time, people carried a lot of cash on them. Maybe. So if you... $200,000? Well, I mean, how many... Or $500,000 in well, the other guy's case? Did they say where the $200,000 came from? I think it took, came from all the people on the plane. So if you, if you No, but he demanded, it, uh, he demanded, uh, D.B. Cooper demanded a specific amount. He demanded $200,000 specifically. So how did he get the money? I don't know. Look up where the money came from oh, on the plane. My dead. Oh. So. Jared, you look it up real quick. Yeah, I need to keep my phone alive for my segment. Um, I imagine it was just Fucking, I mean, how many people fit on a plane at that time? I don't think there was that many people on this plane. You think yeah, it was it less than 100? It wasn't like a packed flight, I don't think. Is it? Because if it was 100 people, then all that would take is what? I don't want to embarrass $200 myself. $200 a piece. Yeah, yeah, $200 a piece? No, wait, that doesn't, nope. No, that's, nope, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> I would say $2,000 a piece. I don't think anyone flew with two thousand dollars on them. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah, yeah, that was a ton of money. Even if you carried a lot of cash, that that's a ton of money to carry now. So that was that's for a still, car. yeah, that still feels like a lot. Yeah, it was enough for like a nice car. Yeah, mm, so that's like, a great question. This was a, this was a passenger plane, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I always assumed it was, but Wait, never... he bought a ticket, so yeah. That's yeah, a really that's good right, question yeah. because this entire time I've just gone like, okay, yeah, they got two thousand dollars. All right, fine. Yeah, but I did, I wouldn't have never thought to rob a plane. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I suppose if the plane was, why would the plane be transporting money on a? Oh, uh, the plane. Okay, so the plane wasn't transporting money. He hijacked the plane while it was landed, cleared off the passengers. Oh, okay. He yeah, held the I plane forgot about hostage. That part. Okay. So they brought him. He basically said, "I have a bomb." He showed the bomb. And they brought him to, money. or what okay. they thought was the bomb, to the stewardess and said, "Go get the pilot. Tell him I want this much money, uh, you know, this many parachutes, and all this stuff." So then they landed it, gave him the parachutes. Ah. And the no, money. They, they never no it off. never took off. He did it before they took off. 
cleared oh, the okay. people. So the only people left on board were the the pilots and the three stewardesses. Oh shit! Okay, so they gave in to his demands. Yeah, they gave in to his demands. They he flew they flew it away, and then he jumped off and escaped. Okay, and Tommy I, Wiseau. And they came to, okay. Huh. Yeah, we didn't go over the exact. Uh, the exact sequence of events in, in the robbery. I always imagined it with a full plane. Yeah. So I didn't even think to to like look at that part. Oh of no, it. I'm sorry. He did. He did present the bomb weather in the air, and then they went. They landed in Seattle, got right, the money, right. and then took back off. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, we don't know if that was a real bomb or not, but that is definitely scary. I I'll give him what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Colbert and his 40-person team, many of whom are former federal agents, say D.B. Cooper's identity has been in the FBI's file all along, hidden in a series of letters sent to various newspapers in the months after the hijacking. While the first four letters have been made public, the FBI kept a fifth and sixth letter under wraps until Colbert uh, successfully sued for the Cooper case file under the Freedom of Information Act. Colbert claims both letters contain coded messages that point directly at Rackstraw. According to the Post-Intelligencer, the newspaper contacted Rackstraw, who is currently living in San Diego last November. They wrote that he did not confirm or deny anything, telling the reporters to verify Colbert's facts. This is a news story, right? What, is it, what, is, what year is this from? This is from this week. Okay. Or last week. All right. I think so. This is from... Uh, August oh, this is, July 2nd. So this is from last month. Last month. That's still new. Yeah. Uh, so, so Rick Shearwood, a former member of the Army Security Agents, which uh, agency which decoded signals during the Vietnam War, cracked the codes. Rackstraw served under Shearwood in two classified units, so these guys actually served together. And Shearwood was familiar with his writing style, having deciphered some of his earlier messages. So, these letters were sent, I guess, like taunting, uh, sent to the press, like taunting the police, okay. like after the robbery but were not really made public at the time. Right, and uh, this guy Shearwood served with Rackstraw and recognizes just his writing style. Hmm. So when he saw the fifth and sixth typewritten letters, he immediately thought the odd letter and number combinations were indicative of the type of coded message that Rackstraw would send. Uh, Shearwood spent weeks working on the solution, which allegedly referred to three specialized army units that just one soldier had served in. He was the only man in the whole American army with those three units, Colbert told Seattle uh, PI, and we know it's uh, Robert Rackstraw. As far as Colbert was concerned, the case had already been closed. In February, he and his team briefly made headlines when they released Sherwood's anal- analysis of the fifth letter and officially fingered Rackstraw's D.B. Cooper. But the sixth letter sent to Portland's uh, Oregonian newspaper in March 1972 turned out to be even more damning. The icing on the cake, as Colbert put it. I read it two or three times and said, this is Rackstraw, this is what he does. I noticed he kept on repeating words in his sentences and thought he had a code in there somewhere. He was taunting like he normally does, and I thought his name was going to be in it, and sure enough, the numbers added up perfectly. So he found extra words and sentences and decoded them, and it's Rackstraw. Because of the codes that he used during Vietnam. Yeah, this letter, however, does not have any fingerprints or watermarks, and the FBI was never able to confirm a genuine connection to the previous Cooper letters, which limits its evidentiary value. Which is a bummer because, according to Colbert and Shearwood, it contains a coded confession and the hijacker's real identity. Is there a statute of limitations on this crime? For sky piracy? I don't know. 
Like are you, there even like specific laws for sky piracy? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, there are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm glad yeah. someone thought that Hi- through. Any kind of hijack. You're not allowed to hijack planes. Under sky oh, damn it. It's just hijacking is what it's I called. I started to have illusions of grandeur during this show. I was excited. Uh, using codes that only Rackstraw would have known, Sherrod honed in on two sentences for the analysis. The first is sentence, I want out of the system and saw a way through good old Unk, was decoded to, I want out of the system and saw a way by skyjacking a jet plane. And the second sentence, and please tell the lackey cops D.B. Cooper is not my real name, was decoded to, I am First Lieutenant Robert Rackstraw. D.B. Cooper is not my real name. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, won't, but I, I don't know how he got that. Yeah, but. I don't understand how it, how it jumps to that. Like, I don't know. Well, he's he's using well, a decoding. Apparently he's using this decoder that that other guy supposedly used. I feel yeah. like to make this more convincing, we need to know what the code is to go, okay, that makes yeah. sense. I don't think we're not going to understand this code. Well, I think it's also, it's probably in the book, I would imagine. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's, I'm sure they explain it in far more detail in the book that's coming out. Mm. But yeah, we're not going to understand this, this code. It's weird. Yeah, we're real dumb. Yeah. Oh. Um... Let's see. It's unclear whether the FBI will reopen the case based on Sherwood's analysis of letters they've had for over four decades. Back in 2016, upon announcing the end of their investigation, the agency would only commit to reviewing new evidence related to the four parachutes and the money that disappeared along with the mysterious hijacker. But as far as Colbert is is concerned, this cold case is officially closed. We now have a saying, I am D.B. Cooper, Colbert told Seattle PI. Rackstraw is a narcissistic sociopath who never thought he would be caught. He was trying to prove that he was smarter than anyone else, but he couldn't fight 1,500 years of brain power on our team. We beat him. I didn't expect it, but it's the icing. Well, I mean, not really. You didn't beat him. Yeah. I mean, he's still, he's still living like, in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still enjoying his life. Yeah, he also sent you confessions. He's probably, it took you this long to break them. He's probably yeah. enjoying it more now. Like, ha ha ha! One guy knows, and this is gonna eat him well, up alive. Well, the newspaper called him, and he said, "Ah, uh, no comment. Go yeah. ahead and check those facts." Yeah, yeah prove it, motherfucker. He could have said no. Yeah. yeah, even if even if you figured it out, it still took you forty fucking years to do it. Also. Yeah. If I and was, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, so also, he won. if I was like 77 and someone called me up and they're like, hey, are you the chick that hijacked a train and flipped everybody off? I wouldn't say no. But you wouldn't say yes either. Yeah. Because you don't want to, because you can still go to jail yeah, for that. Yeah, even if I didn't do it, I wouldn't say no. On my because, deathbed, I for fucking Yeah, maybe, sure would. maybe people will talk to you more if, yeah. you, if you can leave it ambiguous. Yeah, no way. No, on my d- if somebody accused me of it, and I was like, I've got like two more years to live, I would like leave it ambiguous, and then on my deathbed, I'd be like, I did it, and then <laughs> peace out, and that'd be awesome. Like you'd never get forgotten. Yeah, you know, we'll probably get that OJ ca- deathbed confession soon. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take another quick break so that Lauren uh, can uh, get her notes in order to discuss some sex. Blood sugar sex magic? Is that what this is? Nah, this is like. By the some, red hot silly This peppers. isn't nearly as sexy. It's weird Trump shit. All right. But, uh, it's, but yeah, it's some, some cool, cool occult stuff. shit. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back.
welcome back. All right, now we're going to be talking about what's in the title of the book, Lauren? Uh, all right, this is called uh, Dark Star Rising Magic yeah. and Power in the Age of Trump by uh, Gary Lockman. This is You Believe in What? Yeah, this is definitely a You Believe in What. Um, it's an interesting read. Uh, I was really, I don't know. Did you make it through the whole thing? Not all the way to the end. Um, it's it's very dense, weirdly enough. I mean, the, the last, I would say the last tenth of the book, maybe more, maybe the last 20% of the book. No, tenth. It's like references. It's all, it's all notes and references. So it's a lot of like, he'll reference a website and then, you know, eventually you'll be like, oh, well, what website is that? And you get stuck, stuck in that like click hole. A reference hole. I mean, just like the, the last tenth of the book is like, there's hundreds of websites to look at and cross-reference all this shit and uh it's it's fascinating really um in its in its uh insanity and uh and after you get past a certain point clarity and that's horrifying okay. it's horrifying in that way I found clarity in yeah that, that's what's bothersome about this so i, I highly suggest it um, the beginning is a nice toe dip into it, so the first half of the book, I would say, maybe a little bit less, maybe the first 20% of the book, um, it, it is like, it's on simple stuff, basically like, you know, Trump is obsessed with the, uh, the, uh, basically the secret, so if your mom has a copy of the secret in, uh, you know, on her shelf, she's, uh, well, he's pretty the one much... Who, uh brought it to Rudy Giuliani. You know, Rudy Giuliani's obsessed with the secret. Yeah. Well, the secret, that's supposed to be like magic, right? You're like visualizing what you want and then like the universe creates yeah, it, it or something. You know, it's uh, it's it's basically modern Shit, house... Secret. Yeah, it's it's modern housewife magic. So it's like, if I believe it's going to happen and I think positive thoughts, then it's going to happen. And Sounds I, like the saying of someone who's going to be burned at the fucking stake. No, not anymore. Um... That You'd do a lot more for that these days. Or a lot less, depending. But anyways, um, so he's super obsessed with The Secret and uh, particularly New Thought, which I'm going to go So who into. said that Trump is obsessed with The Secret? Is that like a fact? Uh, well, I mean, the I author... I mean, it seems to be working for him. He was like, I want to be president. Yeah, pretty and much. And now he's the president. The author, Gary Lockman, uh, states this quite a bit, um, but it's not just his postulizations um trump is known um for being really obsessed with one of the guys who really brought the secret into being um and not just a secret but new thought in general which if you're not familiar with the term new thought it's basically like i am not it's basically the older version of like new agey shit so if you think of um like manson shit yeah, so if you think... Like uh, crystals, like love and light? N not crystals, necessarily, but the idea that um, I, I am the universe, and if I will it to be, then it will. I just have to believe in it enough. I have to... I have to... If I believe in it wholeheartedly, then it will come to be. Do you believe and in it's almost And it's almost the basis of modern, um, like occult and uh, especially chaos magic sort of theory and 
this book really digs into that and like the darker sides of that, uh, which I find really interesting. So I'm going to start actually reading. This is from about the halfway point of the book. I thought it was pretty fascinating. Um, fucking forever ago when we first started this podcast before Trump was, I think, actually president. We talked about Pepe the Frog a little bit, so I thought it'd be fun, since this book does a little segment on it, to actually go really deep into Pepe that. Pepe the Frog, it was like a dumb internet meme yeah. that has been yeah, co-opted by racists, I yeah. believe? Yeah. yeah, by the alt-right. Okay. Well, yep. this book doesn't just say that it was co-opted by it, but it was utilized by it. So it's it's some fun stuff. Um I'm just going to dig into it. Um, here's a little segment from it. I'll a passage, if you will. A passage, if you will. I'm leaving some stuff out just to save time and get to some meatier stuff. Um, and I'm, you know, if, if things are too weird, then I'll give you, you some references. You should see this copy of this book. Lauren has shit underlined. There's notes written I look in it. fucking insane. I've carried this book around me to every... Uh, local coffee shop and i'm sure they all think i'm nuts because i've db been, cooper's handwriting i've got i've notes. got highlighted segments it's it looks weird <coughs> well, let's kick Drawing. it off all right so anyways um so in the middle of this book in the chapter alt right now um on page 93 of all pages that's fun um so near the end uh, i'm gonna start there the strangest ideas that have gathered around pepe are those that relate him to an ancient egyptian god as one website puts it, uh, the website is Pepe the Frog Faith uh, wordpress.com. Which it, is, you know is a legit website. Yeah, because they can't pay for anything other than a fucking WordPress. But uh, it's real crazy. So if you want to have a fun little wormhole moment, do that. Uh, I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. Um, Pepe, so this website states that Pepe is the modern day avatar of an ancient Egyptian deity accidentally resurrected by online image board culture. How this association was made is as follows. Users of 4chan grew tired of the ubiquitous LOL, laugh out loud, to express their findings something funny. In its place, they began sub substituting with Keck. Uh, where did Keck <laughs> come from? It's the mistranslation of LOL. Strangely, this involved the Korean language, Trump's, and Kim Jong-un's saber-rattling about nuclear war seems to add another ominous layer into the mix, which is kind of fun. Um, and then I pass a little bit of, you know, there's, a, there's some more stuff in between here that's interesting, but just for the sake of uh, keeping things quick. Um, it goes on to say, Users on 4chan are anonymous, anonymous, but each post is given an eight-digit number to uh, place in its thread. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these numbers contain uh, duplicate, triplicate, and even quadruple digits, which Called appear... quads, trips, yeah, or dubs. Exactly. That actually saved me a bunch of time. Um, when this happens, any of those versions, quads, trips, or dubs, when that happens, it's considered lucky. Um, and if, if that happens, they call it a get. When someone gets a get, they refer to it as a keck. What began to happen was that many. Tr <laughs> that's what it. That's what. It, that's what it says here. Well, I'm looking at the website oh, right no, now with, with the library of keck. Yeah, this <laughs> it, the website's fucking crazy. Um, what began to happen was that many of Trump posts were getting gets, with many dubs, trips, and even quads. This seemed to be something special about them, but this was just the beginning. 
The number of gets surrounding Trump seemed to suggest that he was re receiving some kind of divine or, e or at least magical help. This was confined, uh, confirmed for many users when one of them noticed something odd indeed. Pepe, Trump's alt-right mascot, was, it seemed, a postmodern online version or incarnation of an ancient Egyptian frog-headed deity <laughs> whose name was, wait for it, Pepe? Kek. Oh, Kek, okay. And to make things even stranger, what is Kek god of? Chaos. In the ancient Egyptian Agod cosmology, Agod means eightfold. I'm going to pause for a second. So we were talking about the eight-digit numbers, and now yeah. it's eightfold. Kek is an androgynous deity personifying the power of primordial darkness and the coming forth of day. One wonders if 4chaners notice the repeating eightfold motif. They didn't. I'll tell you that right now. Eight gods and eight random uh, posting digits. With his feminine form, Keket, he is seen as one half of the duality of day and night. The two can appear with the head of a snake, a cat, or a frog. The gods of the Ogdad are very ancient, reaching back to what is known as the Old Kingdom in the 3rd millennium BCE. In later texts, from what is known as a late period, so that would be 664 to 332 BCE, and the Greco-Roman times, 305 to 30 BCE, all the male gods of the Ogdad were depicted with frog heads, the feminine form being snake-headed. So Kek was not the only frog-headed Egyptian god. Even so, the chances of a cartoon amphibian, a mistranslation of the acronym, and an ancient Egyptian god coming together meanfully do seem rather slim. So what's the theory behind all this? So the theory... The theory that there's like a wizard that like propagated shit onto Reddit in order to steal the election? Is that what we're talking about yep. here? The theory is, is that either it's just... Crazy random coincidence, which it very well could be. Or that there's some other mysterious power linking this ancient Egyptian god well, to the rest to me of it. it sounds good because it signifies the darkness before the light. So. Yeah, well, here we go. So, hold on. But it's Keck's particular, uh, peculiar significance that puts the icing on the synchronistic cake. Most authorities agree that Keck represents primordial darkness but that his feminine aspect, he personifies the shift from darkness to light, or night to day. We've seen that in another name for primordial darkness is chaos, and that such darkness is both the neither-neither. The chaos magicians want to reach the unconditioned awareness of being that Neville Gardard was e necessary to achieve in order to... Ah, that Neville Gardard said was necessary to achieve in order to desire one's manifest. So what they're saying is, is that everything needs to go to shit before things get better. Right. Um, so in one sense, we can say that Keck symbolizes the fundamental basis of both chaos magic and at least one version of new thought. Um, we know that Trump is a devotee of Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale is one of the first progenitors of New Thought. Um, he was kind of a charlatan um, priest-type character. So Trump's into this guy? Yeah, super into this guy. Trump's like, like, man, look at all this magic that's working. It's like, dude, you were just born rich. Well, Peel <laughs> like, doesn't... It's not magic. You just have money. Peel doesn't call it magic. Peel calls it the power of prayer. So... 
Prayer, it's magic, same prayer, shit. magic, same thing. But it's specific to Trump because I don't because I don't think he's never gonna de- like he hasn't delved into that realm of actual magic. But like he's doing this thing where it's like if I believe it's so, then it is, and that's what peels all that's about. That's why I keep saying witch hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So he says witch hunt over and over again, because and then it's it like is a witch hunt. <laughs> But it uh, Peel has been under, and you can look him up on Wikipedia, there's plenty of stuff, but he's been under a lot of scrutiny for leading his followers horribly astray into, like, trying to heal their um, their sicknesses and shit through thought. It's like, yeah, it turns out I didn't cure your cancer. Yeah, no, he's totally full of shit, but he's one of the forethought- forefathers of the secret, essentially. Um... And then it goes on to say, Keck is not the only god of chaos making appearance in these days. Trump, as we've seen, is an avatar for this particular state too, or at least of confusion, or less politely of a mess. For many of the alt-right, Trump is only the beginning. For them, his ascendancy marks the end of the old world order. For many alt-righters, Trump is seen as the force of change. He is an agent who will bring down the system, bringing on the night of primordial darkness in order well, to if bring you look, a new Well, if dawn. you look at like interviews with like Steve Bannon, that's like essentially the reason that Steve Bannon wanted him to be president. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's going to fuck everything up, and then we can start over. So this is one of my favorite paragraphs in this section, because it's just so fucking weird. Um... One Pepe slash Keck devotee came across a statue of what was thought to be Keck, although it was actually of an Egyptian frog goddess named Hekwet. What was striking was that the hieroglyphics of the statue seemed to depict someone sitting in front of what looks like a computer screen, accompanied by a kind of DNA spiral. This, to the initiated, to the initiated was a depiction of what postmodern Keck devotees are doing. Posting images of Pepe slash Keck on the internet as sigils designed to bring forth the primordial darkness as the precursor to a new day. All right. And that is the crazy shit I've been reading for about a so, month now. So we're so we're like right at the edge of the darkness. No, I thought we were like in it because Trump's president. Yes, yeah, so and we're there now. I yeah, guess. I mean, there's still like government and rule yeah. of law and such. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but. We're heading there pretty quickly. It looks who the like. fuck? Who the fuck knows? I mean, this has been. No, it'll top off when he becomes president this for is... life. Trump. Yeah, that f- li- Trump for life, Pepe for life type shit. But uh, this has been one of the most insane reads I've had in a while. I don't know. It makes sense to me. It. it and that's what's scary, right? Is because you can imagine people actually believing this shit. And, I'm looking uh, at a website right now, where people. Actually believe this yeah, shit. Yeah, people actually fucking believe this shit. Um, so it's it's really cool. Um, I highly suggest reading it because, or at least check out the website, or that checking I... out like these websites because it's entertaining. If not sad and scary, it <laughs> depends on your mood when you read it. Like I have moments where it freaked me out legitimately, but uh, I think you have to remember that. This is just crazy shit. Like, this is just people on the internet being insane. I bet the number 23 is in there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's people getting excited about random numbers on fucking 4chan, you know? Yeah, I mean, it could be weird. But uh, it's fun. If you look at it from that direction, 
and you, so you just go like, this is fucking crazy. Then it's a really fun raid. I feel like I believe in this now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a supporter. Uh, but yeah, so. All hail Keck. We're going to make America <laughs> great again. All hail Keck. So wait, so is this, is, so is Keck good or bad? So he's bad first and then good? Is that what you're saying? Uh, Keck is chaos, so it's neither good or bad according to uh, mythology. Sounds, chaos sounds bad. <laughs> it's it's not uh, predictable. That's for damn sure. All so, right, uh, so now we know why everything's gone wrong. <laughs> everything's gone to shit because of Pepe. But that means it's going to get fixed fairly soon, though. Maybe. Probably. I don't fucking know. The light's got to come eventually. After we're dead. Yeah, that's all. That's like 200 years it'll come, after he's. It'll come claimed. after we're Canadians. Yeah, that's after <laughs> the God Emperor dies. After the uh, the light at the center of the universe goes Four out. Four more generations of Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so have like uh, Donald say that. Donald Trump the eighth president of the United States of America. Oh God. It's just a super like inbred character with an eye where his ear should be. <laughs> God. It's just a giant mutant with a blonde toupee on. <laughs> <laughs> right, well thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Lauren, for reading that book. Um, <laughs> Good luck sleeping tonight. Yeah. That's, it's all it's all creepy stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check us out on Facebook at uh, Mysteriousnesses. And check out our other podcast, Something Planet, and check them out on Facebook. And we also have an email address, MysteriousnessesPC at gmail.com. Uh, and write us with uh, you know any of your experiences, questions, or topics talk that you want to talk about. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night. Woo!